Amen. Good stuff. Hey, we are in our sermon series, Stranger Things. Stranger Things. This has been a fun sermon series. It's a TV show that came out on Netflix a few months ago. Um, It's a uh, show that engaged and captivated uh, many people, except for the people that come to this church, because the first week I asked, it was like me and Connor that had watched it. Um, I think a couple others, Corey just told me that he watched it. So, okay, good. All right. That's right. I've watched it. So there's a couple of us now that have watched it. But it's a show about the supernatural. It's a show about the paranormal. And the reason that we're using this show is it's part of a cultural conversation that's going on right now where there's a lot of shows, a lot of movies that are dealing with the supernatural and the paranormal. People are interested in it because it's real, because it's a question. It's, there's something deep within us that questions these things and ask about it. One theologian that I've been quoting um, throughout this series, he says that every story, regardless of what the story is, borrows from a deeper and truer story, which is the gospel. And when you look at this story and you see uh, different parts of it, you can see the need of salvation. You can see the need of grace. You see the, the reality of people's eyes being open to a world that exists beyond what they've accepted or what they see as normal. And so what we're talking about in this sermon series and kind of using this show as, as a launching pad for is that that as in the story, this girl who appears and as she's there and engaged in their lives and in their situations as they get closer to her and discover more about her, they begin to see that the life that they've accepted is not reality at all, that there's actually this completely different reality, that there's this un. It's extraordinary, unacceptable, just like, what? There's something else out there, reality. And so we're using that, that has her presence had that impact in their lives, so should Jesus have that impact in our lives. That his presence, him just being alive, him having died, him having risen from the grave and being alive in heaven right now and interceding for us, his divine reality, it should open our eyes to a greater sense of reality than we've dissected it before. And what we've been saying is, as it says up there on the screen on the slide, it says that this is an opportunity for us to accept the invitation out of the ordinary. That we can get into this rut, we can get into this just flow of life that everything is just kind of what it is and it kind of just, everything's just the way it's going to be and that's Kim's favorite quote, so you can say it to her anytime you want to, it is what it is, her and Celeste love that, I say it all the time, but that's the way we can, you know, operate in life sometimes, it's just like, ah, this is life and you just kind of accept the ordinary, but Jesus, his life, it's a call for us to step out of the ordinary and to live this bold life and so we're going to be in Matthew chapter 16 tonight, Matthew chapter 16, and from Matthew Matthew chapter 16, I want to talk to you tonight about this idea about you have been called out. You have been called out. As a church, we're getting ready to step into a transition moment. So we're getting ready to move locations. If you don't know our story, if you don't know a part of us, this is not our first opportunity to move and find a new home. And uh, we have been a nomadic church, and it's grown us, and it's been fun. Uh, We have experienced black mold, and we've experienced mushrooms growing on walls. We've been in setup and teardown at 5 and 6 in the morning. Uh, We've done it all, and the faithful that have stuck through, um, and they have just been incredible, and God's grown us. And we're getting ready to step into an opportunity that was unexpected for us. And it's a transition that we're walking into. And if it wasn't this, it would be something else because transitions change. It's constant in life, isn't it? 
There's always something we're going to go through. There's always going to be a transition. There's always going to be some kind of a change in each of our lives. And some of us, we enjoy change. How many of you enjoy change? How many of you enjoy it? You are a change agent. You love it. You change things just because, all right? You're my people. I love you, all right? How many of you, I'm just going to assume the rest of you, so everybody needs to participate. How many of you, you hate change? Let's be honest in the moment. You're just like, I hate change, all right? How many of you are indifferent? How many of you just didn't wear deodorant and you don't want to raise your hand right now? All right. Okay. All right. Good. <laughs> There's some honesty here. So, so each one of us, we've got a feeling about change. Some of us love change, but some of us do not love change. In fact, the majority of us probably don't like change as even illustrated just here in that moment. I think one of the reasons that most people struggle with change and that even those of us that love change, the reasons that we can all struggle with it at times is because change is easier to hold on to. Instead of embracing change and accepting change, it's easier to hold on to what was. It's easier to hold on to the past because we understand the past. We've lived through the past, so we, we can put our hands around the past. We can look at it, and we can say, this is what happened, and here's the result, and we can understand that, and we can kind of grapple with that. So that's nice. It's easy. It's, it's there. It, it's just like, yep, that's what it is. And so we do well with the past, but we struggle with, I don't know what it could be. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what the results are going to be. I don't know what's going to happen if we do this. If I don't do it, is there going to be a result? And we struggle with the unknown. So that makes it complicated for us. And it's difficult for us to jump into those moments. But I want to encourage us tonight that change should not be something that's resisted. And I think what makes it difficult for us in those moments, it's not just change in itself. But change requires redefinition. And what happens when we're in moments of transition and change is is that we don't take the opportunity to look at the situation and say, okay, let me use this as an opportunity to to redefine reality. Let me use this as an opportunity to look at things from a different angle and see what it is that God wants to do. If we don't refocus in moments of change, we find ourselves confused and frustrated. And so tonight, what I want to encourage you, what I want each one of us to do tonight as we transition, as you're probably going through changes in your life, as your family has transitions and changes, as there's things that's going to present itself, if it hasn't yet, it's going to because you're breathing, right? And you're alive. So change is coming. So what I want to encourage us all tonight is, is I want you to see that moments of transition should be moments of defining clarity. Moments of transition should be moments of defining clarity. They shouldn't be moments that we run from. They should be moments that we embrace. And I know it's easy for me to say because I love change. But I want to challenge each one of us as we look at the story tonight that change is not something to run from. Transitions are not things for us to hide from. But they're actually greater opportunities for us to see what it is that God's doing and what it is that God wants to do. They are moments to help us embrace what is, to help us to be fully present in what God's doing, that we can look and see God's faithfulness, we can see his goodness, and we can trust him in those moments, that we say, okay, I'm going to look at this situation from different. Change is on the horizon, there's a transition coming, I can see the reasons as to why this is now a reality, and I can look at those things that happen, and I can begin to already see now how God is unfolding his love and his care, and we can trust him. And so there are moments where if we stop and we refocus, 
and we redefine the path that we're on, that they can help us to be fully present and they can help us to be confident and expecting of the future. So tonight, again, I want to talk about the fact that you have been called out. So, change is everywhere. It's a regular thing that we have to deal with, right? Me and uh, our family, we're going through constant change right now. I just got news last night that there is a boy in Ryland's class that has been leaving notes in her bucket. I guess they have a bucket. They have a bucket of notes. And he's been leaving notes in her bucket. And the notes have been, I love you. I love you so much. I love you. Do you love me? You're beautiful. I love you. And as she was telling me this last night, she told me the boy's name. I told her I will be going to lunch with her this week, right? And I'm going to be staring at that kid the entire time. I'm not going to eat. I might take some mashed potatoes and flick it at him. I don't know. But it's change. It's transition, right? There's, I'm just like, this is a whole new world. I don't know what to do with this. I don't like second grade. And so I'm trying to figure it out. You know, Braden's going through his own change right now. He's going to be turning 12 soon, you know. It's every day he's checking his armpits for hair, you know. And he's just like racing to become a man. And so there's change there. There's realities that we're facing with him, and there's realities that we're facing in each one of our lives. And so this is a reality each one of us are facing. And here in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus himself is talking to his disciples in an extreme moment of change and transition in their lives and the lives of all Jews and your and our lives. This is a moment of change and transition as Jesus begins to talk to him in Matthew chapter 16. Before we get to the verse that we're going to be at, we're going to be in verse 13, by the way, in chapter 16. I'll read it in just a moment. But before we get to that verse, we see that Jesus has just fed the multitude with a few fish. And that he's done all of these things with a few fish and bread. And and that has begun to capture people's imaginations. And they're beginning to see. And he's drawing these massive crowds. And so the Jewish leaders are getting upset. And they're coming to him. And they're challenging him. and, And so all of these different things are happening in the midst of this moment. And so you've got all of this stuff happening, all these miracles, all of the stuff that's taking place. And then Jesus speaks to the, his disciples in verses 13 through 19. And then after that, we see these transitional moments. We see all of this stuff happen where he predicts his death, where the transfiguration happens, where he goes up on a mountain and, and he's revealed as sovereign, he's revealed as divine, and all of these things happen. And then he sends them out and tells them to go and to reach the world, to go into all of the world. And so in between that, we have this moment of transition. And in this moment, there are six principles that I feel like God teaches us and has given us to guide us in moments of transition. In moments of change, to allow these things to direct us and to help us to handle those moments and make them moments of defining clarity. So instead of running from them, instead of saying, I don't want to deal with this, or instead of saying, let's just see if this thing works out, or instead of just looking at it with fear, or like me and this little boy, anger, um, you know, like instead of looking at it in that way, it's to say, okay, what is it that God's doing? How can I pull back? How can I refocus? How can I redefine the situation so that I'm not caught in a place of frustration or discouragement, but instead the things that my eyes are being opened to is the things that God is doing and the things that God wants to do. That it's a moment of defining clarity for us. It helps us to see things at a whole new level. We're not going to be looking at all six tonight. You can say, we're only going to be looking at three. So we'll be looking at three principles tonight to help us deal with transition, and we'll look at the other three this next week to close out this sermon series. But the first one we're going to look at tonight, in moments of change, 
in moments of transition, we have to be very careful to define the relationship. We have to define the relationship. You know what that means, right? That's a define the relationship. Have you heard of DTRs? You know, you got that moment. It's that moment in middle school or college, you know, where you're sitting down, you're like, hey, so we hang out a lot, right? Yeah. We kind of I mean, get along, right? Yeah. We have a lot of good conversations, right? Yeah. So, like, how do you, like, feel about me? Oh, you're like a brother to me. Right? Defining the relationship. You have that moment Ladies, there is no wound deeper to a man than that word. You're like a brother to me, just so you know. But anyway, so in that moment, right, you're defining the relationship. You're engaging, saying, okay, there's where we are. Now we've got to step a little bit deeper and say, where are we going? What's going to be a result of this relationship? We've got to define the relationship. In Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 16, it says this. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah are one of the other prophets. Then he asked them, but who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. My relationship with my kids, my relationship with my wife, my relationship with those of you that I get to serve as your pastor, people in the community, my friends, those relationships are all going to go through moments of change and go through moments of transition. And when I see those happening, I have to be engaged and stop and have a moment where I define our relationship. When I see change happening, when I see transition taking place, I have to step into that moment and say, I'm going to define what our relationship, what our engagement is, how we're going to approach this moment together. Because if I decide to not define that, if I decide to not be engaged in what our relational level is in this moment of transition, then anything can happen. With my daughter... As she begins to tell me this story, of course, anger and rage rises up, and I said some dumb things, and Michelle's like, you really shouldn't have said that because your son's taking cues, and I'm like, oh, shoot. So I had to apologize and all that stuff, and I mean, nothing bad. Like, I didn't threaten the child. It's okay, all right? I literally was just talking about flinging mashed potatoes at him or whatever else, but so, you know, in that moment, like, I had those things, but there was a reality of taking place of, hey, my beautiful, adorable little daughter, she's growing up, and she's going to become a woman, Right? And little boys are already noticing her. And they're already identifying her as somebody who they would like to get to know more. And as much as that scares me, that's a moment of change and transition in her life and in our relationship. So I had to take my daughter and I had to set her down and I had to look at her and I said, hey, baby. And she said, hi, daddy. She's looking at me with her beautiful, just freckle-kissed face and her just crazy little teeth and her beautiful little smile. And I was just like, hey, who's the most important man in your life? And she said, Jesus. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, okay, who's the second most important man in your life? And she's like, you. And I was like, that's right. And so then I talked and I said, hey, baby, I said, if there's ever point in your life where you feel like, hey, I need to know that I'm beautiful, who are you going to come to? You. I was like, great. Right? So I started asking all these questions. And because from the day she was born, the first moment I held her, of course, I cried like an idiot, and I was standing there and just looking at her slimy little mess and just deeply in love with her. But when I looked at her, the very first thing I said to her was, as I said, I'm going to love you so much, and I'm going to love you so well that no man will ever compare 
until it's the man that God has brought into your life. That's what I promised to her. And at this moment, as things begin to change, and as she begins to see boys pursuing her and talking to her, I've got to redefine my relationship with her, and I've got to be able to speak to her and declare my voice of influence in her life. Does that make sense? So in moments of change and transition in my marriage with Michelle, there's moments where things just begin to change. She changes, I change. She always changes for the better. I change for the worse, and then she helps me change for the better. You know, those moments, you know, and you go through, there's change, there's transition that happens because of circumstances, because of just personal growth, because of health, because of a lot of different reasons, finances, new job opportunities, whatever it is, there's moments where you have to see that, and you can just go by you, or you can stop it and seize it and define your relationship in that moment and say, hey, this is who we are and this is how we're going to engage that moment. And in that moment, what you're doing is, is you're being a leader, you're being an influencer. And if you're like, I'm not a leader, you are, right? Every single person's a leader. If you're a parent, if you're a boss, if you're a coworker, if you're a neighbor, if you're a son, if you're a daughter, if whatever, if you're breathing, you have influence, you have leadership responsibility in somebody else's life. Are you tracking with me? And as a leader... In a moment of transition, you can either gain a greater level of influence or you can write yourself out of the situation. I always am going to have, and I can say this with absolute confidence, I'm always going to have a voice in the lives of my kids. And I can say that because I take an opportunity, and I'm not perfect at it. I'm not trying to say I'm a great dad or perfect dad. I feel like I'm a good dad. But I try to take moments to clarify in those situations my role with them at each new stage. So as they begin to develop, as they begin to grow, as they begin to counter things, I try to take a moment as me and Michelle, as we grow, as we go through transition, our leadership team as a church, we're going to be meeting tonight. We're going through transition. We're going to define our relationships, our roles, our responsibilities, what it is that God's giving us to do. We don't know what's ahead of us. So it's important for us to know who we're with and who we're doing life with. And we've got to engage in that moment at each stage and say, hey, this is the reason that I have authority to have a voice into your life at this stage. And with my kids, it's gonna change. My, my daughter's life, I have absolute authority to speak into her life. I am the main influencing voice in her life, but there will become a day, and I'm crying about it. I asked her, I said, when are you gonna date? And she said, well, 18. And I was like, I was hoping for 25, but I like where you're going, right? But so 18, whatever. It's, but there's gonna be a moment where God brings a guy into her life, and it's the guy that God wants into her life, and his voice is gonna take place of my voice, right? There's a moment that's gonna happen, but I'm always gonna have a voice. Each new stage, there's a level of influence that I have to speak into their lives to encourage them and to help us move into the things that God wants us to do and that he's called us to do. And so I have to, in each moment, take a chance and take an opportunity to speak to them and say, this is the reason why I can speak into your life in this moment. And this is exactly what Jesus is doing with his disciples. He's defining the relationship with them. He's defining the relationship with them, but he's also defining the relationship with you and I. He's given us a chance to see what it is that he's doing. He's defining his level of authority in their lives and our lives. 
He's defining for them in this moment, hey, things are getting ready to change. You don't even know the change that's on the horizon. You don't know what's getting ready to take place. You don't even understand how big it is. You're expecting one thing, and you're completely getting ready to get something else. And so tonight, what I'm doing is I'm speaking to you. Hey, Peter, look at me. What I'm speaking to you right now is is I'm trying to help you understand our relationship, who I am in your life, and I'm defining this relationship. I'm defining the authority that I have to speak into your life because I'm getting ready to call you out to something bigger than you can imagine. And I want you to know who I am, and I want you to know the authority I have. I want you to know the place that I have in your life, and I want to make sure that you recognize that and that you embrace that. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, it says this, that Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 16, it says this, For through him God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all of creation together. And so he's coming to them, he's defining the relationship, he's saying this is the level of authority I have in your life, that everything, all things, right? What things? All things. What does everything cover? Everything. They're right, that everything, everything that's ever existed, everything that will exist, it exists through him and for him and because of him. And he's speaking to them at that moment, I have absolute authority in your life and I want to know the level of authority I have in your life and I want to know how you're gonna receive what I'm getting ready to speak into your life. Because as a leader, you have a greater opportunity to gain influence or lose that. But as a follower of Christ, in a moment of transition, we can either gain clarity of who Jesus is and what he's doing, or we can lose sight of our reason for hope. In a moment of transition, in a moment of change, we can look at Jesus and we can hear the things that he's calling us to do. We can see the life that he's calling us to live. In a moment of change and transition, we can either accept that God is in control or we can reject that idea and doubt God's ability to be in control and doubt his strength and doubt his goodness. In a moment right now, as we look at all the things that are happening, there are people wrestling with this very question. Does God have the authority to protect? Does God have the power and the control to save? Does he care? Does he love? Is he good? Those are the questions that he's asking. Those are the questions that people are dealing with and grappling with on a very real level right now. And for you and I, as we encounter moments of change and transition, if they're detrimental, in a moment, if Jesus doesn't have absolute authority in our lives, as there's not been a moment where we've allowed him to define who he is and the control and the ability he has to speak to us and our willingness to say, yes, I will follow, I will go. If that moment hasn't happened, then in a moment of change of transition, instead of defining clarity happening, instead of us becoming aware of what God can do, instead of us hoping in him and trusting in him and believing in him, no matter what, instead of us saying, I'm gonna follow you, instead of us saying, I'm gonna run wherever it is you want me to go, we begin to get confused, we begin to, begin to get frustrated, we begin begin to doubt, we begin to get discouraged, we begin to run from things instead of running to him, and it's a moment that causes chaos in our lives. But this moment of transition, it can be one that helps us to see the things that God wants to do and is doing in our lives. And so in these moments of change and transition, as you face them, small and big, you have to take time to pull back and hear God speaking to you. And he's going to say, Who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? 
in this moment that you're facing right now. Am I sovereign? Am I good? Am I in control? Can you trust me? Do you love me? Are you willing to submit to me? What level of authority does Christ have in your life to speak to you? What level of authority does he have in your life for you to trust and for you to submit to him? Because what he's going to do in those moments is he's going to use that as an opportunity to grow us and strengthen us. He's never going to use it as an opportunity to destroy us and belittle us. What happens in those moments when we get discouraged and we find moments of loss and suffering in those moments, oftentimes it's because we've, instead of trusting him and looking to him, we've turned away from him and we've said, I don't know if you have the authority to control my life. You don't have the ability or the strength to care for me in this moment. So we have to look in those moments of change and transition and allow him to speak into our lives and help us to have a reason for hope. The second thing is this. First thing is define the relationship. The second thing is this, is to define the source. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 17, it says this. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. I love this in this verse, John is speaking, or uh, Jesus is speaking to Peter. And he says to Peter, he says, listen, you are blessed, son of Simon, son of John, and Simon, son of Jonas is what it actually is, and he's referring to who his dad is, and he's speaking to Peter, and he's like, what he's saying to Peter is, it's not because of who you are, it's not because of where you come from, it's not because of who your dad is, it's not because of the education that you have, it's not because of the wealth that you have, it's not because of position you have and the being as a follower of me and somebody who gave up your rights and, and somebody who gave up their job and followed me. It's not because of any of those things, but it's because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. It's not by who you are or what you've done, but it's by grace. In moments of change and transition, you have to define the source that you are going to use for encouragement and strength. Jesus is going to, in those moments, speak to you and say, who do you say I am? And it's a moment for you to say, you are God, you are Lord, I submit to you, I trust you, I embrace you, I'm going to follow you, and I want this to be a moment that you guide me and direct me into the life that you have for me. And in that moment, he's going to say, great, so... This is who you are. This is where you are, and I want your source to be me. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 13, it says, But Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised to Abraham so that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. In Isaiah chapter 30, verse 15, this is absolutely profound. In Isaiah chapter 30, verse 15, he says, this is what the sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says, only in returning to me and resting in me will you be saved. And quietness and confidence is your strength. But would you have None of it. He's talking to the Israelites in these moments. And in Galatians, we see 
he has given us the strength in the Holy Spirit that if he's our source, if he's our God, if we look to him and say, you are our Lord, we're submitting to you. I know who you are in my life. I'm trusting you. I'm embracing you. Then in that moment, he's going to speak to us and say, okay, that's great. It's who you see me to be, but what is the source? What is it you're going to do in this moment? What's going to empower you in this moment? And when he's trying to speak to Peter, what he's teaching each and every one of us is, is that the source should not be our strength. It should not be our position. It should not be what we have or what we don't have, but it should be the Holy Spirit himself who is promised to us. And this verse here in Isaiah, the Israelites are in captivity and they're suffering and they're going through all these, these different things. And he's saying, listen, if you would just trust me, if you would just allow me to be your source of strength, if you would just believe in me, if you would see me to be your God and you would see that I can care for you, that I am caring for you, that I do love you, that I am going to provide for you. If you would see that and just rest in me and allow me to be your source, I would take care of you. It goes on in verse 30 and it says this in verse 18, it says, so the Lord must wait for you to come to him so he can show you his love and compassion. For the Lord is a faithful God. Blessed are those who wait for his help. O people of Zion who live in Jerusalem, you will weep no more. He will be gracious if you ask for help. He will surely respond to the sound of your cries. Though the Lord gave you adversity for food and suffering for drink, that sounds awesome, doesn't it? He will still be with you to teach you. You will see your teacher with your own eyes. Your own ears will hear him. Right behind you, a voice will say, this is the way you should go, whether to the right or the left. And so the question he asks you in the first thing when he's defining the relationship with you in life, who do you say I am? Is he Lord or is he not? And in this moment, what he's asking is, is who is it that wisdom, who is it that understanding, who is it that strength, who is it that patience, who is it that all of these things come from? And our response has to be, they come from the Lord. And even in moments of suffering, even in moments of adversity, even in moments when everything's coming against me, in those moments, I'm going to rest in who you are. I'm going to rest in you being the Lord. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to look to you in those moments. I know who you are. And because I know who you are, I know what that means for me. And in that moment, I'm going to declare that my source of strength, my ability to be patient, my ability to understand what's taking place, my ability to learn, my ability to grow, it is from you. You are my source. And so in a moment where things are difficult, in a moment where things are, you're facing a moment of change and transition, whether it's good, whether it's bad, and you're uncertain of the future, you can trust that he's there with you. You can trust that he's guiding you, that he's not only your source in the sense of just this peace where you can be like, okay, well, whatever happens, that's good. I'm good with that. But that he's actually guiding you and directing you. This verse even says that he's going to be like a voice that you're going to be able to audibly hear, that you're going to be able to see him guiding you and directing you, that he's going to be saying, no, look, hey, in this moment of change, in this moment of transition, in this moment that's taking place right now, take this turn right here. Go this direction right here. Speak to this person. Step into this opportunity. Don't go that way. And it's going to be a moment where he's going to be able to show you who you are and be able to redefine in you your strength and your character. In Galatians chapter 1, verse 16, it says, Then it pleased him. This is Paul talking. And he's talking about uh, his moment where he encountered Jesus. And Paul says, Then it pleased him to reveal his son to me so that I would proclaim the good news about Jesus to the Gentiles. In moments of change and transition, 
It's not so that God can just see if you can make it through. It's moments so that you begin to clarify and understand who he is and what he's doing in your life and what he wants to do through your life. It's moments where you say, I trust you, and you see his spirit working through you to give you guidance and direction and strength and peace that you're able to overcome, that you're able to see victory, that you're able to see God's faithfulness. And so all of these things are happening, and as a result of that, you get to a place that you're saying, I know who he is, I know what he's done, and now he's showing me what to do. And that's the third thing is, is that in a moment of change and transition, you have to define your opportunity. Because it's a moment that God wants you to grow. It's a moment that he wants you to move forward. It's a moment he wants you to see yourself different. He wants, to see, he wants you to see him differently, and he wants you to trust him differently. So in that moment, you have to define your opportunity. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, it says, Now I say to you that you are Peter which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church. There's a lot of things that you can pull out of this verse. This is one of the most debated verses. Aristotle himself was arguing about this verse. There's a lot of things um, for over thousands of years that have been argued about this. We'll get into it a little bit next week, um, but not a ton. But this is a powerful verse for us to pull out when it looks at the opportunities that God has given us. Because what I've seen a lot of times in moments of change and in moments of transition, we look at those moments and say, well, if we make it through, great. If we come out on the other side, I'll be happy about it. If things fall apart, well, maybe we'll just figure it out and we'll do something different. But I honestly believe in moments of change and transition, there are great moments for us to grow and to become stronger and to become more aware of who God is and the things that he's doing in our lives. And in this verse, he's speaking to Peter and he says, you are, if you can leave it up there for a little bit, Dad. He says in this verse, he says, you are. He's talking to Peter and he says, you are Peter. And he says, and upon this rock, I will build my church. The Greek word that is used for church is ecclesia. And the verb that it's derived from, it means called out. In John chapter 1, verse 42, Jesus is meeting Peter and he speaks to him. He says, then Andrew, you brought Simon to meet Jesus. Looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, Simon, this is Peter he's talking to. He says, your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. When Jesus first met John, he says, you will be called Peter. Now they're in a moment of change and transition, and he, seeks, he looks to Peter, and he speaks to Peter, and he says, you are called Peter. It's a moment where he's called out. It's a moment where he's called to a higher level. It's a moment of transition and change, not just in the things that's going to happen, but in who Jesus sees him to be and who Jesus, through this moment, is allowing Peter to see himself to be. Peter will no longer be known as a person of timidity. He'll be no longer known as a person who is inconsistent, who is weak, who's frazzled, who just speaks out of the corner of his mouth, who does the crazy things. But Jesus is saying to him, I'm calling out right now the things that I already see in you, Peter. I'm calling them out right now in this moment of change, in this moment of transition. This is a moment for you to grow. It's a moment of defining clarity for your life. I once told you that you would be called Peter, and I'm telling you right now that you are called Peter. I've seen you grow. I've seen 
you change, and you're going to grow, and you're going to change to greater levels than you can even imagine. Peter, you're no longer going to be known for those things. Now you're going to be known for boldness and reliability. Peter, you are now Peter. You are Cephas. You are rock. And on that, on your faith in me, on your knowing me, on your trust in me, and on me being who I said I am, and on me being the son of God, I will build my church. I will build what we are experiencing now thousands of years later. First Peter chapter 2 verse 9 says, but you are not like that. You are a chosen people. You're royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. We as a church are going through a moment of change. We're going into a moment of transition. Some of us can just look at it as we're moving from one building to the next. And on the card we actually put, we're not changing. Who we are is the same. All this different stuff, we're simply changing from one location to another. And though there's a truth to that, and though there's a reason we say that, the reality is that this is a moment of monumental change and transition for us. Because it cannot be overstated, and I do not want us to forget as a campus, I do not want us to forget as a church, that when we found out that we did not have a location to meet at anymore, that there was a time period, though it was brief for us, and I think I'll keep shortening it even more and more as we go through, but there was a time that, of, of, of time period where we were facing the reality that we could not have a place to meet anymore. And if we didn't have a place to meet anymore, we would cease to exist to be a church. There was a moment where that was our reality. There was a moment where that was what we were facing. But God opened up doors for us significantly in a very profound, in a very generous, in a very unexpected way. In a moment of transition, God declared to us and said, you have a place and you have a purpose. And we cannot fail to, or we cannot allow ourselves to fail and to miss what God did for us. It's a moment for us to say as a church, if God says that we have a place and in that he says we have a purpose, then there should be something that rises up in us and says we are, cannot exist as we've existed in the past. We cannot allow ourselves to function as we've functioned in the past. There is more that he's calling us to. There's a new that he's calling us to. There's a greater opportunity that we have and we need to step into those moments and embrace those moments. We need, hear, need him he, to hear him calling out to us and speaking to us in those moments and say, I see greatness in you. I have expectations for you. I have desires for you. There's a purpose for you. There are people that I've called you, City Life Williamsburg, to reach that nobody else is gonna be able to reach. There's a hope. There's a declaration that you need to make in this community that nobody else can make in this community. You need to partner with churches. There's a mission I've given you. There's a purpose I've called you to. And we need to rise up in that moment and say, I embrace it, I hear you, and I'm going to run with it. From this moment on, when Jesus has this moment in this conversation with Peter, Peter becomes a different person. He's not perfect. He makes a lot of mistakes. And yet, he's still yet even to reject Christ. But even through that, Peter, God, in those moments of change and those transitions, develops his character and shapes him in to the man that Jesus saw him to be in the moment he first met him. And he said, who you will be is who you are now. And I'm calling it out of So as the worship team comes up, maybe you as an individual, you're facing a moment of change and transition in your life.
there's circumstances that are present in your life where you're going through things that you don't know how to handle or the change themselves that's bringing up questions, it's bringing up concerns, frustrations in your home, difficulties that you're now facing. And there's all of these things that are present. And in those moments, it can be easy sometimes just to turn on Netflix and watch Stranger Things because you said your pastor said you had to, even though we never said that. But, or you can just pull back and pull away from the responsibilities of life and just engage in the things that are easy for you to do. As a follower of Christ, what I'm challenging you and I'm encouraging you to do is a moment when things are changing and the moment when things are becoming different. Look at those as opportunities to grow. Look at those as opportunities for your character to be shaped. Look at those as opportunities for relationships to be developed. Look at those as opportunities for dreams to be birthed and things to be realized because God's calling greatness out of you in those moments. He's calling what he's already seen in you. And he's saying, hey, this is the moment that I want that to become a reality. This is what I'm using to shape you. This is what I'm using to call you to be the person who I know you are, who I've empowered you and given you the ability to be. Run to those moments and say, okay, I'm going to stop, I'm going to refocus, and I'm going to redefine what I'm doing and how I'm approaching the situation. I'm going to have conversations. I'm going to ask the question. I'm going to hear Jesus ask me the question, who do I think he is? And then I'm going to allow him to speak into my life and declare the authority to speak to me as my king, as my Lord. And if he speaks to me and says, there's something in your heart that needs to change. You're not trusting me. You don't believe in me. There's something I'm calling you to do and you're ignoring that responsibility. Then in that moment, we allow his voice to be the voice of authority in our life that says, okay, I hear what you're saying. I see you as my source of strength. I see you as my God and as my Lord, but I also see you as my friend. I see you as my priest who's interceding for me. I see you as my brother. I see you as my encourager. You came and then you went to heaven and your Holy Spirit's living in me so that you can give me wisdom and you can give me discernment. You can give me the words to speak and when I don't know what to speak, you, this is who you are. You're, you're everything. I see that. You're my source. So God, I'm trusting you. This is not a moment of adversity. This is a moment of opportunity. And this is how I'm going to define it. This is how I'm going to embrace it. And this is how I'm going to chase after it. So in your life, if you see those moments, allow this to be a moment where you see who he is and allow yourself to see yourself as he sees you and he's called you to be. So allow it to be a moment where you're shaped and you're challenged. And for each one of us, I'm just going to specifically ask, as a church, that we allow this to be a moment that defines our opportunity as a church. Like for me, whenever I just think about the fact that God opened the doors for us the way that he did, to declare that we have a place and that we have a purpose. It fires me up. It, it just, it motivates me to say, God, what can I do? 
How, how can I reach people? How can I encourage people? God, what are the things you want us to do? I sit down with Terrence and we start talking about what could youth ministry look like and what are the things that we can do in our youth ministry? And I talk with Celeste and I talk with other people about worship and what could we do about this? It, it just fired me up to dream bigger and to dream more where it was a moment where it, it's literally, we're just like, I, I don't know if we're gonna do this anymore and I don't know what things are gonna look like. That it became a moment instead of being one where we could question and doubt and, and have fear. It was now a moment where Jesus was screaming and declaring to us like, you have purpose, run. Here's the energy. Here's the strength. Here's the source. Run. Do what I've called you to do. This is who you are. You are City Life Williamsburg. You are my church. You have a place and you have a purpose. And each one of us as an individual, as Peter talks about in verse in chapter 2, verse 4, that we are living stones, that we have a place and we have a purpose. Can we allow this to be a moment as members of this church, as attendees of this church, as people who call City Life our home? Can we allow this to be a moment that defines our opportunity to be and do the things that God's called us to do? Can we allow this to be a moment that challenges us and says, I don't want to just go and sit in a chair on Saturday. I want to be engaged in the things that God's doing. I want to be engaged in the work that he's called us to do. I want to reach people in this community. I want to encourage other churches. I want to help other people discover their gifts and their abilities. I want people to come and to know the hope of Jesus Christ. I want to see marriages restored. I want to see teenagers come and fall in love with Jesus and live their lives for Christ instead of running to a life of party and and, and confusion and frustration. I want to see little kids love Jesus and cherish Jesus and worship Jesus. I want to see, can we dream? Can we allow this to be a moment that defines our opportunity that God is saying to you right now, the things that you want to do, they're possible. The things that I've called you to do, they're the things that I want to have happen. The moment of change and transition, this is a moment for us to be uh, seeing God clearly, directly speaking to us and calling out of us the greatness that he's given us the ability to live and do. Can we allow this to be that moment? Can we allow this to be a moment where we say, I'm going to take as many cards as I can and I'm going to invite people. I'm going to take as many opportunities as I can to talk about what God's doing in this church because I look at it and God is declaring to us that there's a place and a purpose. I love this church. I have a reason for being here. I love coming to this place. I'm encouraged when I'm here. I have great friends that are here. And this is our moment. This is our opportunity to share that with other people and to hear the truth that God's declaring in our lives. Can we do that? Can we increase our efforts in showing God's goodness? Because when we see who he is and we see all that he's doing for us and all that he can do, just as Peter was talking about in 1 Peter, that we have the opportunity to declare God's goodness to people. And that's what this moment is. So can we embrace it as a church? Can we run into it as a church and accept his invitation into this life, this extraordinary, bold, amazing life in Christ? We'll stand and worship.